and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast, the podcast where we talk about things that have made the scriptures become very real to us. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and today we're going to do a very brief short cast about the blessings of the 12 tribes of Israel. In the reading for this week, we see Jacob giving his son's blessings. And uh, this is, in some ways, the beginning of patriarchal blessings. And that's part of what makes this very real to me is that uh, we all receive these blessings that talk to us about our lineage in the house of Israel and the blessings that we partake of uh, from being part of the house of Israel. Uh, it's such an important blessing that the church records this and uh, keeps it on file. If you lose it, you can ask them and they'll send it to you and so on. It's a really important thing. And uh, a lot of people have asked questions about what do these blessings to the tribes mean? So I thought I would just talk a little bit about the blessings for each tribe, not a tremendous amount. I'm going to do it by uh, reading from my book, God Will Prevail, uh, where I really looked into this. I have a part of a, a chapter on this. And so I'm just going to uh, read parts of this book uh, to you as we go through and talk about each tribe. So we get um, the, the blessings that Jacob gives his sons. We find that in Genesis 48 and 49. But it's also worth noting that in Deuteronomy 33, Moses will bless each of the tribes as one of the very last things he does before uh, he leaves them and they go into the promised land. And we want to compare those two and kind of put them together to understand uh, how these blessings work. So Reuben uh, had been the birthright son, but because he had slept with his father's um, uh, wife or concubine, he uh, lost that birthright ability. And really his blessing was uh, more of a warning, words of warning and counsel to Reuben. So he's, he's compared to water, uh, which is both the source of life and has the power for uh, destruction. And he's told that he's uh, had been unstable and is warned to be more stable. Now, interestingly, when uh, Moses gives this tribe a blessing, Moses says that uh, they will be have a continuity and numerous posterity. So that would suggest that Reuben's tribe has heeded that warning and they've moved on and, and become what they should become uh, and that they're stable and uh, continuous and numerous. And so that's, that's a beautiful blessing. Simeon, the next born son, and when we go through this just in age of order, uh, Simeon was warned, but remember that he and Levi had uh, destroyed a city because they'd raped their sister. Uh, now, that's also worth thinking about because in the ancient world, really a woman's greatest protection is that her male family members would uh, avenge if someone did something wrong to her. I, I'm not saying that's how it should be. It should be that a woman's greatest protection is that people respect her, but that wasn't how it always was. And so people were careful because they were afraid of the, the father and the brothers. And uh, Simeon and Levi acted uh, on that idea, that cultural context and slaughtered a whole city. I'm not saying that justifies it. It certainly didn't, but it, that's the culture that it's coming from. Jacob was very unhappy about it, and he told them that then. And in their blessings, really, he talked to them about their wrath and their aggression and, and their violence. Um, and so he warned Simeon to be careful of all of this. Now, it's very fascinating that Simeon is the only tribe that Moses doesn't give a blessing to. It's also interesting because Simeon, well, geographically, Simeon was given a small little area in the tribe of Judah that it had a hard time holding on to. And so Judah, the bigger, stronger tribe, just absorbed them and, and helped them maintain that area. But they just became part of the tribe of Judah, which I think really suggests that they end up partaking of the identity and the blessings of Judah. Those become the blessings of Simeon in many ways. 
Uh, Levi's blessing at the hand of, of Jacob was the same as Simeon's. He uh, was warned of his wrath and aggression, and, uh, and it seems like they heeded that warning. Moses gave Levi uh, a different blessing, and it, this is the tribe that Moses comes from, and he gives them a rather excessive blessing. He praises Levi for choosing to serve God, and he blesses them in their efforts to serve the Lord and minister to all of Israel, and he blesses them with prosperity and with protection from enemies. So beautiful blessings. Judah in some ways receives the birthright, and in some ways Joseph receives the birthright. Judah gets a, a pretty large blessing and a very important blessing. Um, he'd become the natural leader among his family and his brothers. We know that Christ is descended from him. He becomes this kind of ultimate servant leader that we've talked about before uh, as he volunteers to give up his freedom to spare uh, Benjamin. So uh, Judah is blessed with power over his enemies. He's compared to a lion for his power. Uh, Jacob uses images of grape and wine and milk to bless him with prosperity. And uh, that, that may have uh, images that have to do with the Savior as well, the image of wine. But uh, Judah's primary blessings come from uh, in the form of promises of leadership. When Moses blessed Judah, he asked God to hear Judah's prayers and to bring Judah to his people and make their hands able to do the work that was ahead of them and, and to have them delivered from their enemies. Um, Dan is blessed with the ability to judge. Now, judge means the ability to lead and to make things right, to make things the way that they should be. So that's what Dan is blessed with. He's also told he'll have power like a snake, which can cause a rider to fall by biting the horse's heels. Um, this makes it seem as if he was blessed with power that would not be readily visible. Jacob closed this blessing with the statement that uh, Jacob had waited for the salvation of God, and that, that seems to mean that Dan will uh, also wait for salvation. Moses compared Dan to a young lion that would leap forward uh, and says he'd leap forward in Bashan, which is the area that Dan eventually inherits, although not initially. So uh, this may suggest that a tribal blessing is to have lion-like power to do what they need to do wherever it is that God sends them. Naphtali is the next tribe. Uh, Jacob blesses Naphtali that he would experience freedom like a running deer and that he would speak good things. And maybe also that it would, if you combine them, that he'd be a swift messenger bearing good news. Uh, which would suggest that perhaps missionary work would be part of that, although I don't really know. Moses blesses Naphtali with favor and great blessings from God. And, and it, so it would seem that Naphtali is blessed with freedom, wisdom, well-speaking, and an ability to experience and spread covenant blessings abundantly. Gad is our next tribe, and Jacob promises Gad that he'd be overcome militarily, but it would eventually, in turn, overcome those who oppress him. Then Moses promises blessings for anyone who helps Gad, which is really similar to the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, that those who bless Abraham will be blessed and those who curse him would be cursed. Um, Gad is also compared to a lion who would be able to attack uh, others, uh, both the arm and the head, although the, the King James Version misses the fact that it's the arm and the head that's torn, and it just has the arm. Um, Moses also said that because of uh, Gad's zealousness in keeping the law of God, he would be blessed with the portion that rulers receive and would work with rulers. So it seems that uh, though the tribe of Gad would experience some adversity, they would be exact in their obedience and would see, receive power to overcome their enemies and receive great, great blessings and some measure of leadership. Asher is the next tribe, and he's told that he'll have an abundance of food, uh, or in other words, that he'll have prosperity. Um, he's also told he'll provide food, uh, delightful food for kings, which might mean that his abundance will be so great he can help others. Uh, and those mirror ideas are mirrored in Moses' blessing to where Moses promises Asherites numerous posterity and being loved by their brethren and dipping their foot in oil, which is an interesting phrase. It probably means that they have so much oil they can even just wash their feet in it, but it's a little hard to know exactly what he means there. 
Taken together, the blessings of Asher seemed to be that he and his tribe were to greatly receive the blessings of the covenant and were to generously share them. Issachar. Issachar's blessing is uh, really difficult to interpret. Jacob told Issachar that he would be a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. Uh, the meaning of the word translated in the King James Version as burdens is not certain. It may relate to something to carry, and it may be interpreted as saddlebags or laden saddlebags, but others think the word is closer to meaning a, a sheepfold or a corral. I think that the saddlebag or burden uh, works better myself, but the idea of becoming a servant and a tribute that Jacob expresses seems to mean that Issachar would be able to make the land produce what they needed to for themselves and for times when other countries demanded tribute of them. Uh, and Moses' blessings, uh, he blesses actually Issachar and Zebulon together, and Issachar is told to rejoice in his tent, for together with Zebulon he would call his people to the mountains to make righteous sacrifices. Uh, so that's interesting. It seems like uh, there's some ability to lead in rituals that uh, is part of uh, an ordinance, as we could say, that is part of these blessings. Zebulon is told that he'll dwell at a sea haven where he would in turn provide haven for ships and his border would extend to that of Zidon, the great Phoenician city. Uh, that's a curious blessing because in the end, Asher inherited the land that was on the shore, while Zebulon inherited the land just inland from Asher. So again, the two of them seem to work together. Moses promises Issachar and Zebulon the same blessings, but Moses told Issachar that he would enjoy them from his tent, and Zebulon that he would rejoice in them as he goes out. This might, and I emphasize might, mean that Zebulon would have to do some traveling to experience his blessings. In any case, the summation of Zebulon's blessing is similar to the summation of Issachar's blessing. Hence, we can see that Zebulon was promised that with, with some work, he would receive great abundance of prosperity. Both Zebulon and Issachar were to help others participate righteously in important rituals. Now we get to the blessings of Joseph. Joseph received great blessings, including the birthright blessing, though in some ways he seems to have shared that with Judah. Joseph's tribal blessings are somewhat complicated because Jacob adopted Joseph's oldest two sons to be his own, and thus they became tribes of their own. Therefore, when most people learn they are of the tribe of Joseph, they often learn which of his two sons they're descended from. In this way, they receive, as was intended, a birthright blessing because they were given two blessings, the blessing of Joseph and the blessing of one of his sons. Joseph's blessings I'll explain first. Jacob blessed Joseph extensively. He was compared to a fruitful bough, uh, a bough who's, uh, by a well whose branches run over the wall. And that probably has something to do with the idea that his descendants would leave the promised land to inherit other promised lands. But it probably also has some fulfillment in the idea of his uh, leaving the promised land to enjoy the prosperity of Egypt. And really, it has to mean that he would be blessed with great, bounteous prosperity. Uh, Jacob also tells Joseph that he'd be shot at by archers who would hate him. It probably has reference to the way his brothers treated him, but likely has applications in the way descendants of Joseph were uh, persecuted and hated by some. But this warning of archers attacking him was followed by the promise that Joseph's own uh, bow would be steady and that Joseph would be able to wield it with arms made strong by God. Uh, so he will be able to defend himself from those who are shooting at him. After this, jo Jacob extensively described the great blessings that would flow unto Joseph, that he'd be blessed with all that could possibly come from heaven and with uh, great posterity, and that all of the great blessings of Jacob would fall upon Joseph. Moses' blessings on jo Joseph were also profuse. He blessed him that his land would prosper because of the rain which came from above, and the dew of the land, and the waters which would come from below, and that he'd be blessed with prosperity with all that would come forth from the sun, and that which would be produced by the moon." he's blessed with all sorts of stuff. We could go on and on, but let's look at Ephraim and Manasseh. Remember that Manasseh is actually the older son, but when Jacob adopts them as his own, he crosses his arms and gives Ephraim the birthright blessing, but their blessings seem to be very similar. And we should keep in mind that 
birthright and leadership are calls to service. They're not calls to power or prestige. That's what the world, that's how the world would have you think about it. But we know that it shouldn't be thought of that way. It's a call to leadership. And so these two sons are, are called to lead out in gathering Israel. Um, they're blessed at the same time and their blessings are largely the same. Um, uh, their, their blessings would be pronounced so that when anyone in Israel wanted to pronounce a blessing upon someone, they would say, God, make thee as Ephraim and as a Manasseh. Ephraim is told that uh, Manasseh would be a people or a large nation and would be great, but that Ephraim would be greater and his seed would be a multitude of nations. Now, it's hard to know what is meant by this prophecy that Ephraim would be greater. The Hebrew word for it is gadol, which literally means larger. And I, I think that what this means is that they would both have large posterity, but Ephraim's posterity would be even larger than Manasseh's. Those blessings are expanded upon in the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis. There we read that Jacob said to Joseph that the God of thy father shall bless thee and the fruit of thy loins, that they shall be blessed above thy brethren and above thy father's house. Those birthright blessings were bestowed upon both of Joseph's sons, but especially upon Ephraim. Moses blessed both of them in a very similar manner. As noted above, he included them in in the great blessings he pronounced upon Joseph and added that the great bulls pushing the nations would be the 10,000s of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. So again, it seems like the, the difference between the two is in numbers of posterity, not in the work they're called to do. Um, and really all of these blessings are calls to service and work, but especially Ephraim and Manasseh are asked to lead out in gathering all of Israel, but then all of Israel will work together to gather all the world. And that's what the blessings are really about. Um, so this important responsibility was to be spearheaded by Ephraim working with Manasseh and the burden of responsibility for making sure that it is done falls upon the shoulders of their descendants. That would be many of us. Um, they will certainly need and be blessed with the strength of a wild bull in order to gather all of Israel together as Moses had promised. I'm just going to read this part as well. And again, this is from my book, um, God Will Prevail, a book that's about um, the Abrahamic covenant and uh, in ancient times and what it has to do with us today. President Nelson has taught about the combined leadership roles of Ephraim and Manasseh. He said that when Jacob blessed these two boys, he, quote, bestowed upon them the blessings of greatness and conferred the birthright upon Ephraim, close quote. President Nelson went on to say that, quote, the responsibility for preparation of leadership of the world for the second coming of the Lord was assigned to the lineage of Joseph through Ephraim and Manasseh, close quote. When we tie together the need to know our tribal lineage to understand our covenant identity, President Nelson taught, we need to know why we are privileged to receive patriarchal blessings and learn of our connection to ancient patriarchs. We need to know that Jacob's son, Joseph, became the birthright son after Reuben lost his birthright. Joseph and his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, became the seed to lead in the gathering of Israel. Other tribes were to follow, close quote. So it's not only important to recognize these roles, it is equally or more crucial that we recognize that this call to leadership is not a call to privilege or power, but a call to service. It is a mechanism for getting things done, and the bestowal of blessings to, given to Ephraim and Manasseh, particularly numerous posterity, was merely the bestowal of the ability to do what God would ask them to do. When viewed and performed correctly with the purity of heart intended by God, there is no privilege or prestige in the role Joseph and his sons received. There is only service the ability to perform that service, and hopefully a willingness to do so. Finally, we have the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is the youngest son. He's blessed he would be like a ravenous wolf, devouring his prey by morning and the spoils of his efforts at night. And then Moses' blessing is very, very different. He calls Benjamin the beloved of the Lord and said that the Lord would dwell with Benjamin and always surround or protect him dwelling between his shoulders. It's not sure exactly what that means to have him dwell between his shoulders. Taken together, the blessings of Benjamin seem to be twofold. First, Benjamin will have ambition and power to achieve those ambitions. And second, God loves Benjamin and will be with him, protecting and aiding him.
So just a, a couple of ideas to help us understand a little bit the roles of the different tribes and uh, the, the blessings that come to us because we are of the house of Israel, whether uh, literally or adopted in, it doesn't matter. When we make the covenant, we become part of this and we receive these blessings. And that's very, very real to me. And I hope it is to you. Thank you. Thank you.